welcome in to this week's episode of the Sports Gospel Show here on sportsgospel.com or wherever you get your show. But this week, it's all about March Madness. And if you're new to our show, we try to go around the horn and talk about a lot of different sports topics. We've been very March Madness focused with some college wrestling sprinkled in. So talk about those two, maybe get some NBA, some UFC, see what we have time for. But it's going to be very heavily focused on the men's and women's March Madness brackets and how much better one of us is doing than the other through the first two rounds. And we try to be positive on the show. We don't try to do a lot of this guy sucks or that person should be fired. We try not to be incendiary. There's enough negativity in the world. Let's let's talk about sports and have happy fun with it. And with that in mind, let's just jump right into this tournament. And as I mentioned, one of us is doing much better than the other in the men's bracket. And I did several brackets. I have a menagerie of them here in front of me. But if my math is correct, Andrew got 35 picks right through the first two rounds. And I have 29 correct. So not loving that, but the bracket that especially killed me is this South Regional. I hemorrhaged picks in this one. Yeah, so I I came on the show, and I gave my picks on the show, and then I think I I did something different in my bracket pools. So I'm not doing quite – I'm actually doing quite well in my bracket pools, but I don't think I stuck to – exactly what i told you on the show when i was on last week so i faded myself in a couple spots like i I believe i i took michigan state to the sweet 16 on the show but didn't do it in any of my actual bracket pools should have had more faith in uh what i told you guys on tuesday i believe or last monday uh should have had a lot more faith in my initial gut reactions but didn't Well, here in the South region, you do have three of the final four teams standing. Alabama and San Diego State, who will face off in the first matchup, and Creighton versus Princeton. And this was a big one. I was hammering Creighton last week. I didn't think they had a chance. We've seen McDermott make it to the tournament plenty and kind of fizzle out. I liked NC State with Traquavion Smith as a great scorer, and then Baylor just with the experience and the coaching. And here, Creighton has upset me twice. And then that Princeton team, I liked Princeton. I said it last week. I thought they were better than a 15. Now, did I think they were better than Arizona good? Absolutely not. No problem with them beating Missouri. But here you are with three out of the four standing in this region, and I've only got Alabama. Pretty impressive region there for me. And uh, the Creighton Blue Jays are a very impressive team that I think will give Alabama game, although don't look past San Diego State necessarily. I do think Alabama was the most complete team through the first two rounds. As far as we've seen, they appear to be the most complete team and everything's firing on all cylinders, but I don't think Creighton's too far off. I just think Bama has a little bit more depth that might be valuable to them in uh, a Creighton-Alabama matchup, which is what the people want. Given who the Final Four are in this region, I think that would be the most entertaining Elite Eight game. And I'm going to – I have Alabama as my national champion. I'm not going to fade them now, but I do think Creighton can make it interesting. Yes, we both had Alabama eventually coming out of this region. I just – I had them in Arizona meeting up, and, well, that's that's long gone. This one – and it really was the first round with this upsets here, and maybe it was silly picks on my part, but thinking Utah State and Charleston had chances. The one that really got me was that Virginia game, which was one of the very, very first ones of the entire tournament. They had no business. I'm sure everybody's seen that clip by now. If you haven't, go dig it up. Virginia had no business losing that game. A horrible inbound pass to Furman with the lucky shot. I shouldn't shouldn't just say it's all luck, but great shot on a lucky interception. 
And then San Diego State just destroyed them. And San Diego State, if we're going to go by that last round, they may be dangerous, but I'm with you. Alabama does look like, I won't say the most complete, but probably one of the three most complete teams in this tournament. So I'm just going to roll with the Crimson Tide here. Just a very interesting region that we went all across the board here. Not that many upsets, but the two that were, were huge. Yeah, and as we say this, I mean, it, it would not shock me if San Diego State does pull the upset. They certainly have the defense and uh, just the veteran experience, and, and Creighton has that too, defense and veteran experience and good guard play. But that's kind of a theme throughout as we'll go down the list here. But good guard play is what gets you this far in March, and that's been coming through. Even with some upsets of who's in the Sweet 16, a lot of these teams still have really great guard play, and that's why they're here. Who's the Creighton player that you're in love with? Um. In love with is a strong word, oh. but uh, I like his game and what he does for the defense. And that's Ryan Kalkbrenner, the big man, uh, the seven footer. They're, they're a completely different team without him. That's why they have 12 losses and they really struggled as he sat out. But once he's been in, they're one of the best defensive teams in the nation and uh, top 40 in offense as well. I like Nemhard. I like, Trey Alexander. I mean, their starting five is just absolutely it's one of the best five in the country. The problem is that it falls off a lot once they have to go to the bench. So to put a bow on this region, just to, to set it in stone, if we had to repick this, I'm sticking with Alabama and then I'll ride with Princeton. Uh just you know, let's let's go with the Cinderella story. And I've I've been going against Creighton so far, so I'm not gonna jump ship now. Give me Alabama and Princeton. Yeah, this just confirms that Creighton's going to make the Final Four. You're picking against them yeah, twice. Yet every again, time I so. pick against them. So uh, we'll see Creighton in the Final Four. So enjoy it. And then we go down to the other region. My bracket was do pretty well on the right side and get destroyed on the left side. I knew having faith in Purdue was a horrible idea because I did it several times many years ago. And then I took a break from Purdue and I thought, okay, they're finally the complete team. They have the player of the year. Painters really developed and gotten better. And then they suffered the biggest upset in the history of the basketball uh, March Madness basketball tournament. So thank you, Boilermakers. I knew I should not have had them in the final four or in my national championship game, but here we are. Love FAU making the little run there on them beating Memphis and one of the closest games we had uh, definitely thought Oral Roberts was going to give Duke more of a fight and definitely thought Duke was going to give Tennessee more of a fight. Uh, and then this, this Tennessee team, which I'm going to blame you for talking me off Tennessee. I thought they were one of the five national title contenders. And then when their guard got injured, I jumped ship on them. But here we are, FAU and Tennessee. I don't know how many brackets in the world have those two meeting up in the Sweet 16. Not too many and certainly not me. And yeah, both of us had way too much faith in Purdue. Um, it was the guard play that did them in. And man, they lost to a team with a bunch of 6'3 guys. Uh, FAU... I mean, we talked about it when we were previewing the first and second round matchups that they shouldn't have even been in the tournament. Right. Uh, it should have been Merrimack instead. But after uh, you, to their man, just a, a fun, gritty team. And they gave Florida Atlantic all they could handle for a while, too. So um, that was a that was very interesting that they beat Purdue like that. And very interesting how. Um, Zach Eady just didn't take a shot for like the last seven minutes of the game. I mean, I don't, 
I don't know how that happens, but the guard play for Purdue is what, what did them in. And so everybody was high on Memphis and, and saying Memphis, 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 and then Florida Atlantic beat them in a very entertaining first round game. So I don't know. I really like that Florida Atlantic Tennessee matchup as down as you are on Creighton. I'm, I'm just as down on Tennessee. I, I don't really feel like, I feel like they found a little bit of fool's gold against Duke on uh on Saturday. Um, I, I don't really believe in them going much further. So I'm going to take Florida Atlantic here. Uh, I'll, I'll stick with Tennessee and I could be wrong about this, but Tennessee is most assuredly they're going to grind you into dust, low scoring defense. Doesn't FAU just score in bunches? I know they didn't really rack them up in the first two rounds, but I thought FAU was one of those run and gun explosive offense teams. Um, They certainly are, but they play plenty of defense as well. Yeah. And I, so, I, I think that's going to be a, a very entertaining basketball game. I think FAU's got, I mean, Duke, when it came down to it, didn't quite have um, like the physical presence to match up with Tennessee, but Florida Atlantic does have some guys that are just very physical and they've got a seven, uh, a talented seven footer and Vladislav golden. Um, so I, I really think that Florida Atlantic matches up well and they have the better guard play. They will have the guard advantage in this matchup. So give me the team with the good guards uh, like John L. Davis and Boyd in Florida Atlantic to advance to the Elite Eight. I absolutely want FAU, but I feel like Tennessee is the safer bet at this point. Yeah, I can't blame you for going that way, but I'm going to ride with uh, the guards and also, you know, Rick Barnes crumbling in, in the NCAA tournament. We've seen that one too many times to uh, to have any vote of confidence in Rick Barnes. And on the bottom side, really actually boring, I think, in the first round. The favorites all won in the four that we picked, Kentucky, K-State, Michigan State, and Marquette. And then I thought you were a big Marquette fan, but I have us both down picking Michigan State to make it this far. Got to trust Izzo in the tournament. But where we split was that Kentucky-K-State game, which I think is still one of the best games of the tournament so far. I was all in on Kentucky to make it. I my whole point was that it's all about coaching. No matter who Coach Cal has, when he makes the tournament, he makes the Sweet 16. And then K-State, Jerome Tang, the rookie coach, comes in and knocks him out. So here we are, a team that I really like in K-State versus a Michigan State team, I'll admit I don't know as much about. But when you have Izzo at the helm, uh, two very different teams. And I, I like K-State, but I feel like Michigan State is the smarter pick. Yeah, um, I'm going to... I'm going to go ahead and ride with K-State still here because I believe that's what I had picked originally is K-State versus Purdue here in the spot. So I'm going to go ahead and ride with that. Uh, but I do think that it w- this is kind of a toss-up. And actually, as we're speaking, Michigan State is actually favored as the seven seed. I believe they're like a two-point favorite. I think this is going to be another great game You've got good guard play on both sides. Um, so not really – it kind of cancels each other out there. Um, so it'll really come down to the big man. And I really like Hauser, Joey Hauser, uh, as that stretch four. I, I do think Michigan State could win, but 
But I'm going to take Noel and Keontae Johnson and Desi Sills. I think Noel has another good game against Michigan State, and he can absolutely just heat up and take over a game. And that's kind of what he did to take them past Kentucky. I, I see him doing something similar against Michigan State. And also, Kansas State has a little bit more time than Kentucky did to prove um, sorry, than Marquette did to prepare for Michigan State. So I think that helps Kansas State out as well. But this is going to be a fun game, and we've got two really good coaches going at it. But I'll I'll go ahead and take a Jerome Tang and, and the boys. Yeah, you mentioned Marquise Noel. If you have not watched, uh, he and to a lesser extent Keontae Johnson, but especially Noel, one of the most fun players, I think, in the tournament. If If you're looking for new games to get into, get into this Kansas State team. I, I know as a Big 12 person, I shouldn't really like Kansas State, but I think K-State and TCU were kind of my two favorite teams out of the Big 12 this year, and I really have no beef with either one of them. It's not like Kansas. Um, so I'll, I'll go with you on the Wildcats to make it to the Elite Eight in a fun rookie year, rookie year coach story. And I listened to a Tom Izzo interview, and I hadn't realized this, but the K-State team is all transfers, and I get that this is going to be the way of the future with transfer portals and all the kind of the freewheeling Wild West but K-State is all transfer players. Tang, Jerome Tang came in and got these players from all over the place. And they do have three freshmen on the team that were actually recruited, but the rest have moved all over. Compare that to Michigan State. Their two top scorers are grad transfers. I think Hauser is one of the ones you mentioned. But Michigan State is Izzo is old school, recruits, builds from within. And then you have the new school with K-State that's just all transfers. So I think you're kind of seeing the two different worlds meeting in college basketball, which the one guy who's going to do it the new way, let's just, let's just go mine the transfer portal versus the guy who's going to recruit, 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 and keep his guys for three or four years. Yeah, I think Michigan State's got a good mix there, though, because Tyson Walker is a transfer and Joey Hauser is a transfer. And then you've got a mix of guys that Izzo has recruited and developed, like Hogard and Sissoko and Malik Hall and Akins. And yeah, he's got he's got a good mix. And then you've got freshmen like uh, Jackson Kohler and Carson Cooper making contributions at that big man spot. So I really think Michigan State's depth might come into play there, but I think this is probably going to be one of the best games of the Sweet 16 right here between these two. I wonder how long some of those coaches are going to hang on. We've seen it in recent years. Coach K retires, Jay Wright, Roy Williams, now this year Jim Beheim. And yes, part of it is just age, but also you hear some of them say it's just the grind and the the athletes are different. You have to pamper them a little bit more and really work the – you have to recruit high school kids and they have to recruit the portal. I just wonder how long guys like Izzo, Rick Barnes, uh, Calipari actually feels like he's kind of made for it. I'm wondering Jim Laranega, how long some of these old school guys are going to hang on versus these right. new guys like Nate Oates and Eric Musselman seem to be thriving in this new era. And maybe drum tang is going to be another one of those guys. Yeah. And you also, I mean, you have to recruit high school guys, recruit transfers, but in a lot of cases you also have to, continually re-recruit the guys already on your roster to keep them from entering the transfer portals. And like year after year, you're, you're recruiting the guys, you're like re-recruiting the guys on your own roster almost too. And it's that way in football. And so it's just a lot to take on. It's, it's really, the game has really changed a lot. So it pretty much, I think if we really dug into it, we would see that a lot of the seat 16 teams have plenty of, key contributors who are transfers. And I think the transfer portal has kind of even things out in a sense. 
So that's a larger conversation that we can maybe have at another time. But <laughs> yeah, it's uh, college basketball is a, a hectic world. Speaking of a team that I think has done a pretty good job of building and recruiting guys, the Houston Wildcats over in the Midwest region. We did all right in this region, kind of a mixed bag. I think you did a little bit better than I did because I was stupid enough to pick against Texas. But we're left with Houston versus Miami and Xavier versus Texas. I'm all in on Houston and Xavier. Got those two still standing. Texas is the smart pick. That was a that was a more salient choice. You had them going all the way to the championship. And then I would say Miami. I know they're the five, but still feels like a surprise. I thought Drake would be able to take them down. And then you got me hyped on Indiana. And I don't know what happened in that Indiana-Miami game. But to me, this still feels like Houston's region to win after they weirdly close game with Northern Kentucky. And then they throttled Auburn. So we start up top, Houston and Miami, the one versus the five. Yeah, I'm going to – I have a Houston-Texas, the all-Texas lead eight. I believe I picked when we did this show last week. So I'm going to go ahead and stick with that. I'm pulling for Xavier. I'm I'm not pulling for Miami. I'm okay with Houston winning. I uh, for whatever reason I just I just can't get on board with the Miami train. So uh, give me but they did the, they did two. this last year too. I don't know how Larinaga does this. You don't nobody knows any Miami players, and then they do this back to back years. Uh, they have a significantly better team this year uh, with uh, Wong and Nigel Pack, who transferred from Kansas State, which that's kind of an interesting thought. If Nigel Pack had stayed, he'd be with this K-State team with Noel. That would be a fearsome – that would make Kansas State one of the favorites. And I don't think we actually said who was going to win that region between Kansas State and I had Florida Atlantic. Oh. I think I, I've got K-State going to the Final Four. I do too. Now, so I had I had K State Tennessee, and I I'm with. It feels weird to pick, but I also have K State going to the Final Four. Yep, K State facing off against uh, Alabama, I believe, in that yep. scenario. Yep. So, and then here I, I'm sticking with Texas. I'm sticking with my Alabama Texas National Championship, and I, I like a uh, Carr and Hunter and what they've done in Texas. Again, I feel like Alabama's a complete team, but so is Texas, and they're coming together at the right time so give me texas to win that battle of texas in in kansas city which seems kind of backwards and houston to uh fall in the elite eight to the texas longhorns uh, and looking at this region our picks from last week really the only thing that killed us was the iowa schools we both had iowa drake and iowa state winning and at least drake put up a fight iowa was kind of in it and then iowa state had the worst performance by a team in ncaa tournament history i believe their 41 points goes down as one of the five lowest scoring outings in ncaa tournament history which is just delightful but i had i don't think i had any of them advancing past um yes i did have drake in the sweet 16 for some reason um but miami is just kind of causing havoc for us in this region but i'm taking xavier over texas that's the one way we're different here i'm going houston xavier and my new favorite player that you talked me into about a month ago, and I followed a little bit closer, Sule Boom. So let's let's get some more boom time here as the tournament goes on. I just I just feel like Xavier is kind of that sneaky team that people aren't really thinking about, and they could be there in the final four. I don't think they get past Houston, but I think Houston Xavier would be a fantastic game with who seems to be healthy. Marcus Sasser? Question mark. Yeah, I think he I think he's feeling pretty healthy. Um, yeah, I would I wouldn't mind being wrong. And having Xavier beat Texas, uh, it would ruin all my bracket pools and all my picks and everything. But 
I'm willing to make that sacrifice. And if that means that Jack Nunge makes a final four. So. And going down here to the region that I like to gloat about the West region. I picked every game perfect so far in this region. And you only missed one because you foolishly trusted the Kansas Jayhawks, but we were both perfect through the first round. Um, and then Arkansas Musselman and his insane shirtless antics. He's whatever he is. He is fun and entertaining. Um, but yeah, I don't think a whole lot of surprises in the first round. TCU and Arizona state was a great close game. Uh, Gonzaga had people scared for a little bit before they turned it on. And that's why I'll get, we'll get to them in a minute, but that's what I like about this team up top. You have Arkansas and Yukon. Um, so you had, you had Kansas going to the final four, but you did have, uh, so I guess this is kind of an open-ended for you, a new matchup, Arkansas and UConn. I'll stick with UConn here, but I Arkansas is getting hot at the right time. Yeah, I'm I'm going to take UConn. I think this is another team. The Big East is showing out. I mean, we've talk, talked about three Big East teams, and I, I really feel like three of them could potentially go to the Elite Eight. I think two of them are going to, and that's Creighton and UConn. So I'll take UConn here. The must bus comes to a, a grinding halt against UConn, who just appears to be on fire. I mean, they absolutely shredded a good St. Mary's team. Uh, just just kind of St. Mary's was never really – I mean, they, they had a lead for a while, and then at some point late in the first half and then in the second half, UConn just poured it on them in a very impressive manner, and that's not a slouch team. So give me a uh, – Give me the UConn to advance, and then uh, we can talk about the other matchup. Yeah, I, I'm i so torn here. I, I like Arkansas having the hot hand, so I don't know if I'm allowed to flip-flop for my original UConn pick. I don't know enough about this UConn team. It's just everybody has talked about them being the most purely talented team, and they did destroy Iona. Uh, and then, I mean, St. Mary's doesn't score more than 60 points. So you get to 60, you're going to beat St. Mary's. Arkansas has, what, three or four guys who are going to be playing in the NBA? Nick Smith, Ricky Council, uh, and then Black and Walsh, I believe, are also potential, I mean, high recruits, potential NBA guys. You may be looking at a Razorbacks team with four NBA players. Yeah, at least. Um, And there's one that's not playing that's probably going to play in the NBA, too, in Trayvon Brazil. Uh, If he was healthy, Arkansas would be one of the favorites to win it all, and they wouldn't be an eight seed, but... As it stands right now, they've got f- at least four guys who are going to play in the NBA, and then Makai Mitchell might be a fifth, oh. actually. So they might have five guys. But, yeah, no slouch, but um, UConn b- battles back. They have two seven-footers with Sonogo and Klingon, and then Jordan Hawkins, uh, who's one of the best pure shooters, but also is making plays off the dribble as well. And they're getting good guard play out of Andre Jackson and Nahima Lean and Tristan Newton. So they've got, they've got a talented team as well. And then plenty of shooters around that as well. They've got Caravan and Calcaterra, a couple shooters. This is going to be the most entertaining region right here with the Arkansas Yukon and then Gonzaga UCLA that we'll talk about in a second. All right. I'll, I'll ride with my original pick. You've got me going. I'll, I'll take Yukon to advance past this one. And again, what I think will be a fantastic matchup. And then down to the game that I think this is the one I was circling. As soon as I saw this very lopsided bracket come out, 
This is my pick for the best game. This is the one I'm most looking forward to. The Thursday night, 645, Gonzaga, UCLA. I thought coming into the tournament, the five best teams were Gonzaga, UCLA, Houston, Alabama, and Purdue. And it's a shame that these two have to meet in the Sweet 16, but I love so much about both of these teams. Two veteran-laden teams when you have Drew Timmy and company versus Jaime Jaquez, Tiger Campbell, and the Bruins. Fantastic matchup. I think it's both teams are easily going to get to 80, I think. I, I I want them both to win. Can both win in my brackets? I've picked UCLA, but I would by no means feel bad if Gonzaga won this and made a run. Whoever wins this, I think, trounces the UConn Arkansas winner. But give me the Bruins. I I'm going to pull a Corso and say not so fast on that. Um, I think it's going to be UCLA UConn in what will be a classic game. I do think UCLA is going to break through here and go to the final four. And you mentioned Campbell and Hawkes, but it's really been Amari Bailey. He's been sensational in the first two games and really helped fill that void that was left by Jalen Clark going out and, Amari Bailey has kind of been unleashed on the NCAA tournament. And he, if he's going to be rolling like he was in the first two games for the rest of the tournament, uh, UCLA is a real threat to win it all. I'll go ahead and take uh, UCLA over Gonzaga. I think this will be pretty entertaining, but I think UCLA kind of pulls away late. Maybe wins by nine or 10 um, and pulls away late. And then UCLA UConn is going to be, a great matchup. I think those are two final four caliber teams that unfortunately are going to meet in the elite eight and give me UCLA and the experienced guard play in that kind of a scenario. So I think the way we have it is uh, Texas versus UCLA and K state versus Alabama is based off of that's the way I have it at least. So we'll get back to our elite eight and final four here in a minute. I was trying to look at the Gonzaga to see who they played non-conference because is a Dembona fully healthy and playing for UCLA in this yep. one? Yeah, Dembona is is playing. I don't know about full health, but he's definitely playing through it, and uh, that's that's good news for Bruins fans. I'm just I'm wondering who Timmy's faced off with, who may be on Bona's level as as a big. So they did play Purdue, and he put up 22 points, but. I don't have the details on how he did against Zach Eady, but looking at the top teams, because Gonzaga in the regular season beat Alabama, beat Xavier, beat Kentucky, beat Michigan State, but then lost to Texas, Purdue, and Baylor. So I was trying to see. Not a lot of uh, Pac-12 matchups is what I was looking for. Right. Yep. Gotcha. Um, But UCLA has faced a front court like Gonzaga's in Arizona, and come out on top in that scenario. Also, they lost the Pac-12 championship, but they came out on top in the regular season. So it, it'll it be a, a fun and, and good, exciting matchup, but give me UCLA in this scenario. I got down a rabbit hole with Baylor's schedule. They beat UCLA and Gonzaga. Anyway. And got blown out by Marquette, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that was a 26-point loss. Yeah. So to to go back through this here, my picks, Alabama, Princeton, Tennessee, K-State, Houston, Xavier, UConn, UCLA, and correct me if I say any of yours incorrectly, Alabama, Creighton, FAU, K-State, Houston, Texas, UConn, UCLA. Yep, yep, spot on. 
And your final four, which actually looks like it's mostly intact. Well, you had originally you had Alabama and Texas, and those two are still standing. You're sticking with those? I'm sticking with those two, and I'm sticking with both of them to go to the national championship game. Spoiler alert. And then on the bottom, we're both going with K-State, and we're both going with UCLA. Yeah, so now we know the 16 teams. Those are my, my four, but originally I believe I had Kansas and Purdue. Too much faith in the one seeds and what is well has been an up and down year for the top teams. I, I put a little bit too much faith in the one seeds. We knew they were going to fall. We just didn't know which ones. Yeah, um, I, I think my my thought process with Purdue was something like everybody's fading them, so it's time to zag and go the other way, just because they're going to rumble through now that everybody's doubting them. Uh, but Kansas. I knew Arkansas would be a tough test, but I, I really thought Kansas would perform a lot better than what they, they have. I guess maybe the Bill Self thing was part of the equation, but that's, that's what also, scared me off of them. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's totally fair, but I also thought Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick could uh, carry them quite a ways. And so uh, I also had Purdue, um, in my original final four. So they lost out for me, but I still have Alabama, Houston and UCLA going in this one. I had Houston and Purdue in my championship, but now I'm forced to sub in Alabama. So I will take Houston to defeat Alabama. Very, very sadly picking against UCLA. That's tough. Um, I will still take Alabama, Texas, Alabama to beat Texas in the championship game. Uh, Some other random stray notes about the tournament. You mentioned the conference here. Uh, one conference that I think you've been big on all year, but the Big East and with Xavier, UConn, and Creighton still standing. SEC, who I think you poo-pooed last week, but they still have Arkansas, Tennessee, and Alabama. Big 12 with two teams, Big 10 with two teams. And then we go down to one each for the American, the Ivy League, Pac-12, the WAC, the Mountain West, and I believe the Sun Belt for Florida Atlantic. So no ACC teams making it, and maybe a little bit more people expect from the Big 12 and the Big 10 to kind of be the power conferences. But here we are, the Big East and the SEC rising to the top. Hey, ACC has one with Miami. Oh. And the, Big Ten, only, and the Big Ten only has one with That's Michigan what it is. State. Wrote down Indiana instead of Miami. I flipped that game. See? Indiana should have won. Um, <laughs> by the way, Indiana fans don't like Miami. Anymore, like, well, I mean, they they lost the men's team lost in the second round, and so did the women's team. Ooh, new rivalry to, to Miami. So, if I was an Indiana basketball fan, I don't think I could ever look at <laughs> the U ever again without hating my heart. Well, that that rivalry we've all been waiting for forever, Indiana and Miami, all sports. I don't know if it's a rivalry. I mean, they just kind of mopped the floor with Indiana. Back to back. So, um, yeah. Anyways, good notes. I was looking at some other things. Um, So this is the third straight year we've had a 15 seed make the Sweet 16. Can you name the previous two? St. Peter's. Correct. And Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, correct, back in 2021. And the last couple of years, we've had 10 or 11 seeds. We've had a 10, 11, or 12 seed make it each of the last... um, 2013 was the last time we did not have a 10, 11, or 12 seed make it, and now we've got that this year. Uh, so 
10 of the top four teams made it. So 10 of the sweet 16 are top four seeds. And something that I, I caught this and I thought, oh my gosh, this has to be a historic thing. When was the last time that we did not have Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, and North Carolina all eliminated before the Sweet 16? And then it was 2021. So I was like, oh, so not so historic. Yeah. Um, although before 2021, I feel like that would have been pretty historic. Yeah, because 20, well, 2020. Um, but 2019, yeah, you had Kentucky, 2018 Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. Just looking back here quickly through the last 16 sweet 16s, there's always one of those four in there. So other than 2021, the, the bluest of blue bloods, which again, another conversation we can discuss who the true blue bloods are, but you don't have the top four. Plus, if you want to say Syracuse and Villanova are not in there, there's six of your top 10 programs, maybe. But as, as we say that we could still end up with Michigan state, UConn, UCLA, Gonzaga, some of these other top tier programs in the final four. Yeah, there's still plenty of what I would consider blue blood pro- programs here in the Sweet 16. Um, and then I was looking at some of the top players. I was just, again, I th- still think we need to work on getting more stars in college basketball, and the average fan needs to know more about some of these players. But looking at who didn't make it this far, Zach Eady was probably going to be player of the year eliminated. Oscar Shibway, last year's player of the year eliminated. Jalen Wilson, another top five player gone. Mike Mills, uh, the entire Duke team, which I think has three top five recruits in it. Uh, Adam Flagler and Keontae George, your boy Chris Murray gone, Boo Booey, Kendrick Davis, all these players who were really highly touted potential all-conference preseason All-American players that are not in it. It's just weird to see some of the big names that are out, and we can talk about the big names who are in here in a minute to kind of pick your brain on the best players still standing. Yeah, we uh, lost out on Trace Jackson Davis, too. I don't know if you you said that, but... Yeah, that's that was kind of a. You're right. A lot of star players uh, bounced in the first weekend. Now I did write down well, eight players here, and then one kind of wild card. Who is the best player still in the tournament? Drew Timmy from Gonzaga, Marcus Sasser at Houston, Brandon Miller at Alabama, Nick Smith or Ricky Council from Arkansas, Sule Boom at Xavier, Isaiah Wong at Miami, Ryan Kalkbrenner at Creighton. Or go ahead and pick whichever UCL player you want. It's, I mean, whether it's Campbell or Hawkes or somebody else, probably Hawkes, but those are kind of the guys I thought were the best candidates for who's the best player still standing. Yeah, I really think the conversation is Brandon Miller and Marcus Sasser. I'm going to go ahead and give the edge to Brandon Miller in that scenario. I think he uh, has shown a, a really complete game when he's healthy. Obviously, he's the main reason why I'm picking Alabama to win. So give me, uh, yeah, give me Brandon Miller as the best player remaining. Has he kind of played himself into that NBA draft? Because you said Victor Wembanyama is for sure going to be the one, and the number two is who's that other guy from the G Scoot Henderson. Scoot so Henderson. If those two are locked into one and two, is Brandon Miller in that conversation for the number three? Yeah, I think he's probably top. I mean, it's the Thompson Twins who are also in the G league and Brandon Miller. And I think what, from what I've seen, I would probably take Brandon Miller over the Thompson twins. I think he's more, he's got more skills that will translate immediately. And also has a pretty high ceiling as well. He's like a, he's like a Jabari Smith with a better off the dribble game Hmm. is the best way I can define Brandon Miller. 
So if you remember Jabari Smith from Auburn and how much right. people loved him, I really think he's a superior version of Brandon uh, Jabari Smith. Uh, I'm on your beloved Ken Palm. What is what was your fun fact about the winner of the tournament it has to be such and such in the Ken Palm? Um, top 40 in adjusted offensive efficiency and top 22 in uh, defensive efficiency, which I believe both Alabama and Texas meet, as does Creighton and UConn and UCLA. Yep. So I, I have, if I'm reading this really quickly in front of me, Houston, Alabama, UCLA, UConn, Texas, I'll meet that. Tennessee doesn't have the offense. Gonzaga doesn't have the defense. San Diego State doesn't have the offense. Xavier doesn't have the defense. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, if we're going by that metric, there are six of the remaining teams that meet that. Houston, Alabama, UCLA, UConn, Texas, Creighton. Yep, absolutely. So that's why I'm taking a, I'm picking one of those six and two of those six to be in the <laughs> national championship game. Well, we figured out your strategy. Um, it doesn't always directly translate because, I mean, St. Mary's was very high in the Ken Palm and bounced in the first weekend, but they, they ran into another Ken Palm team. Also, I believe Purdue fit the requirements and got, bounced, sure by six, got bounced by a 16 seed. So it's not an exact science on the Ken Palm. Uh, it's a good metric, but if there's going to be a year where that gets, you know, where that's not met, this could be the year where like a team like Xavier that doesn't have the defense just gets hot enough to just blow through the next four games. It's Wait. certainly, certainly possible. It wouldn't really shock me at all. If that stat didn't hold up this year. What you're saying is there's no exact science to March madness. And we're all just guessing and we're all going to be horribly wrong, no matter what we look up and how we research and how we think about it. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm saying. But I think this year, especially more than most. I feel like it's been a, a little bit more unpredictable this year than in years past. Anything else in the men's bracket we need to put a bow on before we go over to the women's side? Oh, uh, it's the final year of uh, Jim Nance. Oh. Just letting you all know this is going to be the final year that we have Jim Nance calling March Madness, so... If you like Jim Nance, it's your last chance to Nance, as some people are calling it. I'm not going to say he's my favorite commentator, but I think he does a pretty good job. I think they have a lot of great crews. There's one or two people, um, but I think most of them are really good. They do. Um, They do the best with what they've been given. I always, man, I like Charles Barkley, uh, but huh. I don't need to see Charles Barkley's opinion on college basketball. Correct. Okay, I'm finally somebody agrees with me. I tried to bring this up before with other people, and they yell at me. Barkley's fantastic. He's entertaining, but he started watching these teams on March 13th. Yeah, you're 100% spot on on that, and that's that's okay. Uh, he's super entertaining. And also, like, Stan Van Gundy's done a lot of games, and I really like Stan Van Gundy when he's doing NBA games, but like you said, he doesn't know a lot about college basketball because he's watching NBA most of the year. So, And and the problem with that is that this deal is on CBS. I wonder if that will ever – if the March Madness will ever switch hands and not be on CBS in our lifetime. That might actually make things better as, like, 
ESPN or Fox or somebody would have a lot more college basketball oriented people to Which, uh, put on, on games. CBS has those people. I just feel like they push them out of the way because Barkley equals ratings, apparently. You know, the, the Clark Kellogg's and the Seth Davis's and the Bill Rafteries, those are the guys that I was listening to because you, you, know, you hear them give the studio analysis or call the games throughout the season and then they shoehorn in Barkley at the end. Yeah, we don't we don't need Barkley or, or Sam and Gundy out here or Reggie Miller. Or, man, I mean, I don't mind Grant Hill. I feel like Grant Hill is a good part of the equation. I, I love having Grant Hill actually calling college games. I think that's perfect for him. But, yeah, that, that's a whole other discussion for a whole other day. But I hope – I hope now that Nance is out, I hope that Kevin Harlan kind of becomes the voice. I feel like Kevin Harlan is probably my favorite out of all the play-by-play guys. We'll go over to the women's side here, which is mostly on ESPN and ABC. And starting at the top here, your Greenville one regional. I still don't love this new format that they did where only two cities get the regionals, but we have all chalk in the sweet 16. Predictably South Carolina is a buzzsaw through people right now. They will face UCLA, who's the four seed. Uh, I was I was cheering for Oklahoma, former Drake coach Jenny Baranchek there, but UCLA taking down the Sooners. We've got South Carolina and UCLA in one. And then on the bottom side, uh, I had faith in Creighton. They burned me last year by not picking them, so I picked them this year and then got burned. They got destroyed in the first round, and the Mississippi State got edged out by Notre Dame. So we get Notre Dame and Maryland. Maryland also is pretty well been cruising so one two three and four here in the greenville one regional yeah both of us picked creighton and i'm glad that we could curse them so i'm really really glad that we could curse that was that was the only first round that we missed we were seven for eight in this region in the first round oh gotcha wow um and i'm glad i've (laughs) I've never been happier to go seven for eight in a bracket so Uh, Quick side note, Andrew's ahead of me 33 to 29 on the women, so I'm not quite as far behind. Hey, I just got to say, I don't remember a women's tournament being as unpredictable as it has through the first two, first weekend like this year. Am I just not paying close enough attention? But I feel like we've seen plenty of upsets. I mean, we've got two one seeds out yeah. before the before the Sweet 16. I, I don't feel like that's a common occurrence now we'll get into a little bit here but i think you're right on the i feel like you don't usually see one seeds in the women's fall before the sweet 16 and these i feel i feel like the gap is tightening a little bit sure you know we'll talk about it but sure lsu and utah are the two and three but if miami gets them are you going to be that stunned if you know this louisville team looks like they're on fire if they get in as a five is that going to be all that shocking i know you don't want to hear that for your hawkeyes but it doesn't feel like the surprises are really there maybe if south carolina or yukon fell early but the rest of them everybody seems vulnerable we don't we don't want south carolina to fall until they play iowa in the final (laughs) four i need i need caitlin clark and and the bluter versus don staley and Aliyah boston so you're telling me you're telling me you're picking south carolina to the elite eight I'm taking South Carolina to the final four where they will face the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, they're going to have to go through Maryland first though. So South Carolina, Maryland, elite eight, but Man, your, your two favorite teams playing each other, South Carolina and Maryland. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely <laughs> not. Uh, 
those were the two we both had last week with South Carolina, Maryland to the elite eight. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not coming off of that now. So South Carolina, Maryland in this region and South Carolina advancing, unfortunately. Down here on the bottom side, there's a lot of red pen in my Seattle four, as they're calling it regional uh, Stanford. I was all in on the Stanford team and they look great in their first round. And then Ole Miss slowed it way down. So Ole Miss has two games have not given up 50 points yet. And they're going to take on a Louisville team who is scoring buckets at will a great first round game against Drake. I would have been thrilled to see the Bulldogs make it, but Louisville edged them by two. And then Louisville cruised past Texas. Now we get eight seed Ole Miss versus five seed Louisville. And I had Stanford in Texas and with Texas going to the Elite Eight, and you had Stanford going to the Elite Eight, so we are both no dogs in this fight, but I'll just go Louisville. I'm going to go with the Ole Miss Rebels pulling it off. I um, feel like if they can beat Stanford, beat a one seed, then a five seed shouldn't be too hard, right? So give me, uh, give me Ole Miss, and I think the SEC as a whole underseeded in this tournament. Um, Iowa had a fight with Georgia and I think Georgia was a lot better than the 10 seed that they were given. So I think, uh, yeah, I think as a whole, the SEC women's teams were underseeded in this tournament. So give me a uh, Ole Miss to advance to the elite eight. And on the bottom here, we both got three out of four, right? With Colorado Duke and Iowa, I believe you had Georgia and I had Florida state. So kicking myself for that one. And then we both, I believe went Duke. Um, so of the four teams remaining here, you and I only picked Iowa and it always pains me to pick the Hawkeyes, but by virtue of being the only one standing and I had them going to the final four. So I want the Hawkeyes to run through Ole Miss, Louisville, Colorado, whoever it is. And Colorado, I think a surprise team putting it on middle Tennessee state and then winning in overtime against Duke. So the Buffalo is a surprising little run here, but give me the Hawkeyes to keep going to the final four. Yeah. And I really like that things seem to be breaking in Iowa's favor. I mean, they've played all the lowest seeds possible so far, and I think that trend continues until they hit the Final Four and play South Carolina. Um, But, yeah, give me Iowa over Colorado and then Iowa over Ole Miss. Up to your Greenville 2 regional. You mentioned it, Indiana getting stunned by Miami, the Miami men and women both beating Indiana in this round. And Indiana was a team that I I kind of bought the hype and I had them going to my final four before losing to UConn. You had Indiana in the championship game. So we're both a little perturbed at Miami with the winning by two here after they... So Miami has two wins by combining three points, beat Okie State in the first round in a nail-biter. Indiana was cruising, but now we've got Miami versus Maddie Segrist and Villanova, I believe one of like five players in women's history to score a 1,000 points in a season. They have poured it on here in the first two games, winning by twenty, almost 20 points both times, and I think Miami's Cinderella run ends here, and we see Maddie Segrist kind of get into that conversation. You're going to have Aaliyah Boston on one side, Caitlin Clark on the other, and Maddie Segrist may be standing there waiting for both of them. Yeah, and I, I would love that. I mean, those are three of the four National Player of the Year finalists. Uh, obviously, Caitlin Clark's going to win it in a landslide, as she should. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I am a little perturbed to be wrong about having so much faith in Indiana, but also after interacting with their fan base on Twitter, I'm not really that sad. So uh, thank you, Cavender Twins, for your your effort and uh, upsetting Indiana 
their home floor. That's what that's what's so tough about these first and second round upsets, right? One seeds went down on their own home floor. That that's vastly different than one seeds going down in the men's tournament on a neutral floor. These teams went into the other team's home gym in front of big raucous crowds and took them down. So give me a, yeah, I can't go against Maddie Zegrist. I'm going to ride with her, but I think this will be an entertaining game and uh, Villanova will advance. And on the bottom side of this region, the team that you may begrudgingly have picked LSU is still there. They have looked scary good through the first two games and demolished my choice Michigan Wolverines, who I thought would be in the elite eight. So you've still got LSU there. If you'd like to ride with them, they'll be facing off um, with Utah a team that we admittedly are like, where did Utah come from to suddenly be a two seed big opening round win and then snuck past Princeton. And I thought Princeton was going to lose in the first round. I thought we would be looking at Michigan NC state here, but instead we've got LSU and Utah. And just because it's a fun story, give me Utah here. Are you going to stick with your all-time favorite women's coach and take LSU? I'll try not to be too negative. Not, not a Kim Mulkey fan, but can't deny the talent of the LSU team and especially Angel Reese. And like you said, they blew out, what I thought was a great Michigan team too. I thought they would win, but maybe not like that. Give me LSU to the uh, lead eight. And then unfortunately, I think I'm going to take LSU over Villanova as well. Wow. I'll take, I'll take Villanova to go in that one. I think Villanova would get past Utah or LSU, Utah for me. I will hope that you're right and that I'm wrong. I We'll keep picking LSU, hoping to curse them, much like I did Creighton. And then we'll go down to the region where I made a lot of bad picks. The only smart thing I really did was stick with UConn up on the top. And again, this one's one, two, three, and four. I just wasn't smart enough to pick that. I thought Iowa State was underseeded and proved that that may not have been the case. But Tennessee, a 45-point win and 37-point win, beating the 12 and the 13. So watch out for Tennessee. it's not Pat Summit, but it's a Pat Summit-looking volunteer team. And Virginia Tech, uh, the, another fun story like Utah getting the one seed. Um, they've won big. And then uh, South Dakota State, props to me for picking South Dakota State when you pick USC. you got Virginia Tech and Tennessee. I want Virginia Tech to win, but you can't ignore two 40-point wins in favor of the Volunteers. Yeah, I think uh, Tennessee is going to win. I believe I originally had Virginia Tech. In the Elite Eight. Um, you picked the Cyclones good, sir. You had you had Virginia Tech and Iowa State, and then you drank the Iowa State Kool-Aid. Oh, I, sh- I sure did. I sure did. So who, you had- who talked me into that one? Was I drunk last week when I was doing this podcast? I, I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, no, go ahead and give me Tennessee in this spot into the Elite Eight. Yes, yeah, so we're both going Tennessee. So last week you had Virginia Tech. USC, Iowa State, and Tennessee. I had Vatech, South Dakota State, and Tennessee. And then we both had Virginia Tech at least getting this far. So, And then down on the bottom side, again, over overthought the room had. We both had North Carolina, Ohio State, and UConn winning in the first round. You just had the right pick by going Baylor when I went Alabama. And then Ohio State winning a fantastic close game, two points over North Carolina and UConn. I think pretty shockingly what they did to Baylor winning by 20 uh, my two new favorite players in women's college basketball this year are Angel Reese and Aaliyah Edwards. And I'm riding with Ms. Edwards here to get past Ohio State in convincing fashion. And then I think you would have 
all the fireworks and high scoring you want from probably D2 premier programs in the history of women's basketball, UConn and Tennessee, but give me the Huskies to roll to the final four. Yeah, I'm not going to pick against UConn, especially after what they did to Baylor. Um, I'll be cheering for Ohio State. I just don't think they have much of a chance in this one. Um, But UConn over Ohio State and then, yeah, which should be a classic game with a lot of points, like you said. Uh, UConn over Tennessee in the Final Four, into the Final Four. So to recap here, my eight, South Carolina, Maryland, Louisville, Iowa, Villanova, Utah, Tennessee, UConn, and Andrew, South Carolina, Maryland, the same, Ole Miss and Iowa, Villanova, LSU, and then Tennessee, UConn, and my Final Four, South Carolina, Iowa, Villanova, and UConn. I believe you are the same on three of those, correct? Yeah, I only picked LSU and over Villanova. So, I mean, look at the the players, though. Aaliyah Boston, South Carolina, Caitlin Clark, Iowa, Aaliyah Edwards for UConn, and then whichever you slice it, Angel Reese for LSU or Maddie Zegras for Villanova. So you're you're getting the best players here left standing at the end. Yeah. If, if our predictions come to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like that. I would like to see Maddie Zegras in the Final Four. I think that would be... Absolutely incredible. The the only thing that's screwed up is that we really should not have Iowa and South Carolina until the championship. That should be the championship game, but I digress. Um, we Indiana, also shouldn't get UCLA and Gonzaga in the Sweet 16 on the men's side, but I, I agree with that as well. Um, Iowa should have been a one seed, obviously. I mean, Stanford and Indiana going down before the first weekend. Obviously, it's it's almost like they shouldn't have been one seeds. Just, but anyways, I totally digress. Um, but it's fine. Iowa South Carolina will be a, a great matchup in the Final Four, and yeah. Anyways, go ahead. No, I. So my my championship is South Carolina and UConn. I know you had Iowa. Um, anything else on the women's side we need to get to? Uh, no, I just, man, I hope Iowa can pull it out and win a championship. I think that would be quite something. I, I know that South Carolina is going to be probably almost an impossible task, but I'm going to go ahead and, and be a homer and pick a Iowa to win it all. Um, NIT bracket getting close to the end here. Uh, what going to go rapid fire on some topics here. Uh, I had Oklahoma State, Vanderbilt, Seton Hall, and UCF as my final four, too. Those are still standing, so go Vanderbilt and Oklahoma State. Games starting tonight as we're recording this, Tuesday, Wednesday games. Oh, wonderful. Um, I can't say I fill out in an IT bracket, but I, mean, I, hope, your picks, I hope your picks go well. You've got you've got Okie State, North Texas, Oregon, Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Utah Valley, UAB, Vanderbilt. Any one of those stand out to you? Um, I would like to see Utah Valley take it home. I mean, why not? Seems like a good year to just have a random team like Utah Valley win the right. NIT. So, go ahead and uh, advance <laughs> Utah Valley to Madison Square. Yeah. Is that or are they? Doing the NIT Final Four somewhere else. Yeah, it's in Vegas this year. I don't know when this started, but the semifinals and the finals are in Vegas next week. Which oh, I will man. be. In, I, I will be in Vegas. I'm trying to decide if I care enough to go to an NIT game just to go. Uh, yeah, you I gotta mean, go. 
I feel like the tickets will be cheap. That's what I'm thinking. There's got to be plenty because I've watched some of the Oregon games on TV. Are that many people of all the things to do in Vegas? Are you going to a Cincinnati UAB game? Uh, no. Um, I think, yeah, I think you could get relatively cheap tickets. And I don't know when it is. Is it around the same time as the Final Four? So these are there. They play during the week. So it's the 28th and the 30th. So that's what next Tuesday and Thursday. Okay. So not competing with the NCAA tournament at all. Um, But see, here's here's my concern. If Utah Valley makes it, Utah to Vegas is not that far. They may sell that place out. They might. Whatever Um, the Orleans Arena is. Assume that's where like UNLV or somebody plays. I don't think so. I think that's just one of those mini arenas that are just, is it one of those ballroom into basketball court situations (laughs) like the battle for Atlantis? I don't know. It could be, but uh, I don't know. You should check it out. I mean, if you're going to be in town, might as well go to the NIT, right? Exactly. All right. We'll, we'll we'll podcast live from the NIT (laughs) semifinals. Uh. So some of the other things going on in sports, I just want to put a bow on the college wrestling championships. I know this was two weeks ago. Andrew was not on, but just a quick rundown here. Not a great night, uh, not a great weekend of sports for Iowa teams. Uh, other than the women's basketball team, uh, the wrestling from all the schools got hammered as well. The big upset, 125, was Spencer Lee losing in the semifinals. Uh, I watched it live. It's one of those things where like, I stood up on the couch, threw my hands in the air, and was just in disbelief. If you're not familiar, Spencer Lee is college wrestling's equivalent to LeBron James. Uh, he's the Drew Timmy of college wrestling. He is you know, the Caitlin Clark of college wrestling. And then basically medical forfeited. He was going for his fourth title and cementing his status. He's still probably one of the 20 greatest of all time, but he would have been in that top five elite air. So lost in the semifinals and then uh, Patrick Glory, the guy who was kind of the consensus number two behind him, ended up beating Matt Ramos out of Purdue, who beat Spencer Lee. So you get Pat Glory at the one. Um, so again, the moral of the story here is a lot of the guys I picked did not do well. Shannon did a lot better than I did. Uh, 133, fun story. Vito Arujao, I say, had the best performance of the finals. Cornell, a guy who was like third or fourth expected, ends up beating Roman Bravo Young, a Penn State guy who's going for his third title. Uh, Dayton Fix, my pick was fourth. Andrew Alvarez out of Northern Colorado getting the 141 title, beating Real Woods from Iowa. Uh, the, probably the wrestler of the year is going to go down as 149. Yanni Diakamahalas got his fourth title from Cornell, the second Cornell wrestler to get four after Kyle Dake. So huge story for him. Watch out for that name. He's probably going to be an Olympic medalist here in the near future. Austin O'Connor from North Carolina at 157 gets his title. Keegan O'Toole at 165 at Missouri, a sophomore winning his second, beating David Carr, the lone Iowa State guy in the finals. Now, 165 was fantastic. The top six guys are all national champion worthy, just a loaded weight. Carter Starochi at 174 gets his third title, as does Aaron Brooks, another two Penn State guys, 74-84, both becoming three-timers. And then at 197, Nino Bot and Corsi of Pitt beating Tanner Sloan, a fantastic match. I think the entire world is cheering for Tanner Sloan, the Sandy, uh, South Dakota State guy, to take home the title. And then at 285, Mason Paris beating Greg Kirkfleet. A decently close match, but Paris the expected favorite. So not a whole lot of upsets. I would say probably five, six, seven, at least seven of the weights. The favorite or top-seeded guy won just the big upset there at 125. But all in all, a pretty good national tournament, and the, the guys who were expected to win did the job. 
Thank you. Uh, man. I know, I know you were watching every minute of the college wrestling finals. We know that's your sport. Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. But man, that Spencer Lee loss is just a backbreaker. Absolute I mean, backbreaker. That, that is up there with the next sport I wanted to talk about. That's, you know, our, our guy, Kamaru Usman, his first loss, it was kind of that same response. Like you're just, you're breathless, just staring at like, did I really just see what I think I saw? That's what Spencer Lee getting pinned in the semifinals was like. Yeah, but that on steroids, man, because <laughs> I mean, one of the best wrestlers of all time still is uh, getting pinned in the national semifinals. Just not, not what you expect, but yeah. A quick minute here on that UFC 286 card. I think Leon Edwards cemented his place, winning a majority decision. People kind of thought, well, it was a fluke. He caught Usman with that lucky kick. Uh, One of the most beautiful head kicks you'll ever see, but I think he proved himself here. I think they'll still run it back a third time, but Leon Edwards, the welterweight champion, I think Colby Covington should be his next fight, Uh, but We'll have to see where Usman goes from here, but congratulations to Leon Edwards for securing his place. Justin Gaethje was about a plus 200 underdog. I do not understand why in his lightweight fight, he won by majority decision as well. Forever bet all your money on Gaethje. He's weirdly an underdog all the time, but he's still one of the 10 best fighters in the world. So always bet on him. Uh, and then the Gunnar Nelson winning by decision in a fun welterweight fight. Did not see that ending in an arm bar. Uh, but then Jennifer Maya, Marvin Vittorius. I think most of your favorites won on the night, the exception of Leon Edwards, but decent UFC 286 card. There was so much to watch on Saturday that I had to pick something that I got the clips of and I chose UFC 286, but still a couple of good fights. It looks like. Yeah. And this was Usman Edwards three um, yeah. because Usman won the first one. Then Edwards won the second and now Edwards won the third. So I don't think they'll run it back a fourth time. And like you said, Colby Covington, Leon Edwards is probably coming our way soon. Trying to see what they do with Usman. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. Conversation Um, for another day. Yeah, absolutely. I I think Usman's going to – he won't be back for a while, I don't think, after getting thoroughly dominated by Leon Edwards. And something we have not talked about in a while, there's NBA still happening. We may – may have forgotten about it in the midst of March Madness and wrestling and all these other things we had going on. I will admit that I have not paid near as much attention to NBA in the last month as Andrew likely has. But uh, Eastern Conference, I see we've got the Bucks and the Celtics leading the way. Sixers, Cavs, Knicks, Nets all still hanging in there, kind of like what what we expected. Maybe the Nets are hit or miss, depending on how you feel about them. And I think these really have broken out in their tiers. Uh, I would say the Bulls are a little bit disappointing. Maybe expect them to be a little bit higher, but... What should we know about the Eastern Conference push here for the NBA as we go down the home stretch? Um, the Bucks are back in championship form, is what we should know. Um, I, I absolutely think the Bucks are the best team in the East now that they're back at full strength and they've got everybody rolling. They're they're the team to beat in the East and probably the team to beat in the NBA. I know record-wise the Sixers are hanging in there, but it feels very much like the Bucks and Celtics are starting to pull away from the field. Like, yeah, the Knicks and the Cavs are nice stories. I will admit to being a big fan of that Cavaliers team this year, but it feels like the Bucks and Celtics world. Yeah, as far as the as far as like the NBA goes, I, I think it is. It's unfortunate those two teams are in the Eastern Conference. I really hope that's the Eastern Conference Finals because it's going to be. You know, a classic series, probably a six-game, seven-game potential series, I think. 
What is wrong with the Bulls? They feel like they should have way more talent than this. They're kind of falling apart, man. And I think, you know, I think they kind of see the writing on the wall a little bit. So, um, Billy Donovan, uh, time going to be done there? Or is it that'll, be an interesting, that'll be an interesting uh, question for the offseason. I, I could certainly see that. But He's I think not... there's more problems than uh, just a coaching problem. Because I'm They've looking got at... a roster problem. They need to fix some holes on their roster. And mm. also, Lonzo Ball is just never going to play basketball again, apparently. Wow. Team that I thought would be in that top top six conversation, they'll be lucky to get the 10. And I'm not even sure that they want the 10 that badly, right? Because where are you really going with a 10 seed? That's true. So. And out west, the Nuggets still holding court. We thought after the post uh, postseason, after the All-Star trade deadline, we may expect the Suns or the Clippers to make a run. And those two teams are kind of holding Pat in the middle. You got the Spurs and the Rockets doing their best to win the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. The Lakers and the Blazers are falling down, and something's going on with the Pelicans. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but up at the top here, Nuggets, Grizzlies, the Beam team still at three, and then drops off a little bit to the Suns, Clippers, Warriors are back in there. I feel like we've had a lot more mobility in the Western Conference rankings, and apparently we all hate the Memphis Grizzlies now. Um. Yeah, they've kind of put that target on their back. I mean, John Morant has John Morant and Dylan Brooks have said a lot of things that are not endearing themselves to anyone. I don't necessarily hate the Memphis Grizzlies, but I don't really like them all that much. And also they are kind of falling apart here at the end. And I, I do think uh the beam team will overtake them for that two seed. So Sacramento is going to end the longest playoff drought in professional sports. And they're going to do so in very convincing fashion by getting two seed. So possibly, you know, if the nuggets slip up a few times, possibly even, I mean, they're only four and a half games back. There's, I believe 11 games left for, the Kings, maybe 12 left for the Nuggets. So I don't know if uh, Sacramento can really catch Denver. Probably not, but. Kings have played if, 71 games. How many did they play? 86? 82. So 11 games left. So I think, you know, Denver would have to really stumble down the stretch and Sacramento would have to really heat up to make that happen. But I, I really do think uh, Sacramento is going to overtake Memphis for that two scene. And uh, we'll go, it'll go Denver one, Sacramento two, Memphis three. And then just, I, I'm not even going to try to sort out <laughs> anything below the top three, because there's just so many possible combinations beyond that, that it's not even worth talking about the possibilities, even with only 11 games left. Which it, it would be so weird because you would end up with Suns Clippers as your four or five, which feels like that those are two of your championship contenders, unless what's actually happening in the real world is not what's on paper. But then if I feel like the Warriors would run over the Grizzlies, this is this is what I've been waiting for the Warriors to get hot, make a run, and get good now. The Mavericks just feel like they can't quite get it together. Timberwolves are finally starting to make some noise. Also, how are the Thunder in playoff contention? What's going on here? 
the, the Thunder yeah, and Jazz are in their, this. They're trying their best to like hand their spot to the Lakers, <laughs> uh, but like the Lakers just won't reach up and grab it. So the Thunder just keep winning, even though they don't really intend on it. I mean, there's going to be a team that makes that nine and ten seed in the West. There are a couple of teams that really were like, "Hey, we were actually tanking." Somebody <laughs> else, like Lakers, come on, let's let's do this. But um, what is I? The Lakers are perplexing, but they've been perplexing all year. The Pelicans are the one that really stuns me. Since the last time I really looked at the NBA, the Pelicans have plummeted. So we've got the Lakers, the Pelicans, and the Blazers on the outside looking in. Nobody's shocked about the Spurs and Rockets. But to think that the Thunder and Jazz are going to finish better than the Lakers, Pelicans, and Blazers, what is wrong with these three? Unless they are just throwing in the towel. Uh, I think the Pelicans are throwing in the towel because of all the injuries that have occurred. Um that's really de- derailed that team. Um, the LeBron injury with the Lakers obviously has been a, a big part of their struggles. They need him back and healthy in order to really make that run. Um, I don't know if he will be getting healthy, but that's kind of the story with the Lakers and the Pelicans is a lot of injury stuff with LeBron, Anthony Davis, Zion, Brandon Ingram. So that's what's really derailed them. And unless you have anything else NBA wise, what is our your MVP top three ballot look like? I'm gonna go ahead and give it to Giannis. I think he's been really carrying the Bucks through a lot of things. I mean, we've talked about injuries with like the Lakers and the Pelicans, but Middleton's been out. There's been games where Middleton and Holiday have been out, and Giannis has really carried the load through a lot of that he doesn't play heavy minutes so his stats don't get as inflated as like Jokic's. but if you look at like his per 40 numbers i mean they're everything is on par with Jokic and even surpasses him in the defense too i, I really think Giannis should be the mvp so i would go Giannis one Jokic two and b three and i really think it's those three guys that are in the conversation now for mvp Hard to agree with that as I pull the numbers up quick. As much as I'm a fan of the Joker, it looks like it, Giannis and Embiid are your two leaders, and it feels like Luca's always going to have his little contingent of people. But until the Mavericks do better, I'm not sure he's a contender. Yeah, and I, you know, I could really see it being given to Jokic again. I don't think it necessarily should, but I mean, I really think Giannis should win it and. It's kind of like LeBron about eight or nine years ago where we felt like LeBron should actually win it every year, but voters were just fatigued. And I feel like everybody's fatigued with Giannis a bit. And that's why they keep giving it to other guys, but they give it to Jokic. So it'll be three in a row. So are we going to apply the fatigue factor to Jokic next year or, or what are we doing here? So I don't, so, I don't so really Embiid is sitting pretty then. And I mean, maybe you think um, it's about to be the new guy. I, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, if we got to give it to the best player, if the best players truly have an amazing season like Giannis has pretty much every year for the last five years. So I feel like Giannis could have won it five times in a row instead of only having two like he does. But Anything else we need to get to on this week's show? I didn't even think we'd get an hour, and here we are well over. 
Uh, no, I think I've said all I need to say. Well, there you have it. There's our picks. Hopefully we do better on this reassessment of the bracket than we did the first round. Uh, go insert team you're cheering for. We'll plan to be back next week to see where the dust has settled. Well, how quickly we go from 68 to four. And it's some of the two best weeks in sports for my money, but we'll have inform uh, have news and information on all of that, get more into the NBA, and maybe finally get around some NFL free agency. We've had so much to get to. We haven't had a chance to break down what's going on in the free agency. And Aaron Rodgers may not be a Packer by next week's show. Maybe not. Um, but we'll see if the Jets are willing to pay up. Well, we will have all that and more on episode 99 of the Sports Gospel. Thank you all for joining us. We will see you next time. Mm-hmm.